The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome back to Millennial Hollywood here on the Popcorn Talk Network. Today's guest is so exciting, we cannot wait to bring her to you right after the break. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. Welcome back to Millennial Hollywood here on the Popcorn Talk Network. We are so excited to be here today. Today's guest is not only the mother to global superstar Demi Lovato, but she is also a strong activist for those with suffering with mental illness. And she is here to tell us all about her brand new book, Falling with Wings, A Mother's Story. We are so excited. Please give a warm welcome to Diana De La Garza. Thank you for having me, yes. Dakota. I'm really ex- I've really been looking forward to this interview Thank for you. a long time. I'm so glad. I have been wanting you to come in forever, and I'm just so thankful it's finally here, and we've yeah. got so many amazing things to talk about. Yes, and it's just in time for Mother's Day, which yes. it's a mother's story, so I think that works perfectly. Definitely, so. definitely. Well, you've had a lot of stuff go on in your life, which a lot of people may have not really realized. A lot of people kind of just look at your family as if it has always been like this perfect family. And honestly, for years, that's what I thought as well. And I know you've talked about in the book how you kind of put up that front to make it seem like everything was fine and okay. And at what point did you think, it's time for me to take down those walls and really kind of show people what was really going on? Well, I I think that, you know, that was something that I felt a need to do for a long time, Mm -hmm. many years, um, in my own personal life as well as in my children's lives. And then I think everything, of course, came to a head when I realized that when Demi got into the trouble that she did, that everybody knew about, you know, in South America, um, that was a point where I knew that everyone was, you know, ultimately going to find out that our lives weren't perfect. Mm-hmm. And I think I was able to finally relinquish that whenever I actually went into treatment myself. That's where I was really able to work on my issue of trying to make everyone think that our lives were perfect mm-hmm. and they weren't. And it was okay to admit that. Yeah. Definitely. And I love how you said that this book obviously covers a lot of very serious topics, but you're, there's so many fun stories in there. So, yeah. like, I was cracking up at the story where you all were on your way to an audition and Dallas spilt the rest of her the ice strawberry cream. strawberry milkshake yeah, story. Outside of the window and it came right back on everybody. And Oh, it was horrible. Oh. And I was dunking their heads underneath a service station bathroom faucet trying to get the strawberry milkshake out of their hair. I mean, that was that's one of the stories that really made... Our entire journey, mm-hmm. um, so much fun and worth it. And it was just, I, I thank you for bringing that yeah. story up because I think a lot of times people think that the stories in the book are um, really serious and there are some really serious things in there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But there's also some fun things too. So I appreciate you for yeah, bringing that up absolutely. because I don't get to do that and talk about those all the time. Yeah. No, I, I, as an actor myself, I know how crazy it is trying to get to auditions and, and seeing that you were trying to juggle not only your daughters, but also Selena was there that yes. you were taking care of and trying to get everyone, you know, to look good and to go to these auditions. And it just brought back so many memories because it is, a, show business is a crazy thing. And, and just getting to those auditions is a feat in itself. Oh, it's, you plan your life around those auditions. Mm -hmm. And as a mother, and I'm sure your mom did too, that we plan our entire lives around that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, you coach for it and then you, your mom probably made sure you got enough rest the night before. And if you were out late, she would call you and say, come home, you have an audition tomorrow. You know, all these things. I don't think people really realize unless they have a child in the business. Definitely. um, They don't really realize how much work that really is, but it's worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're bonding with each other. You're getting to do these amazing things together, and it it provides a lifetime of memories that you're always going to have. Absolutely. So for us, I mean, for me and my three girls, I mean, we just have this bond that will never, never, nobody will ever be able to come in between us because of those times we spent. Yeah. That's yeah. so special. I love that. And here we have a photo of you as a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader, which I love. Yay. You were also a country music singer. I love that part of your story because it really shows that it kind of shows where all of your daughters got it from. You love performing. You, you said you got your, you know, your, your, I guess one of your bigger breaks was whenever you were um, working for Six Flags. That was like one of your first big ones. First big ones. Yeah. Yes, you read the book. Yes, you I know did. that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that because I, there was a theme park back home in Missouri called Silver Dollar City, and they had the same type of thing where it was kind of like a saloon type of setup. Where yeah, like song all, and dance. Yes. Yeah, And performing. I love that. I always wanted to like, when I was younger, I always wanted to work there and do that. And the fact that you got to do that, um, was really awesome, but you kind of talk about in the book how it kind of went against what your parents had wanted. At that time, yes. Yeah. At that time, um, I was the church pianist, mm-hmm. and my mom and dad and I also sang in church. So, you know, looking back on it now, I can understand where they were afraid of losing me to working at a theme park on Saturdays and Sundays mm-hmm. or all week, when you know, depending on the time of the year. And... You know, looking back, I can see why they didn't particularly approve of that because they wanted me to, you know, follow in the footsteps of some of my favorite gospel singers mm-hmm. and and do gospel. And that's what I grew up doing was gospel music. Yeah. Uh, Reba Rambo, Gardner, McGuire. Um, she was, you know, just the ultimate singer to me and I wanted to be just like her. But, you know, as you, as with any young person, you know, sometimes you... You evolve and you change and you grow and you and you change goals sometimes. Mm-hmm. So when I was able to, I mean, I auditioned for Six Flags Over Texas mm-hmm. um, there in Arlington, Texas, and oh, there were thousands of people. Wow, thousands of people that came to the audition. And when I finally made it down to the very end, you know, I felt like it was my destiny and that's what I wanted to do. Yeah. So it was rough on us for a while, but. You know, later on, as you know from the book, yeah. I mean, we just, we have an amazing relationship now. That's good. I'm yeah. so glad. And I know that you, obviously, your family has gone through a lot, but it seems like a common theme throughout the book is that God has always had his hand on you guys. Oh, he absolutely. He always had you in, in his hand, and he wasn't going to let you go. He, he let you experience some tough times, but I love how you really, you really let everyone know that it was God who got you guys through it. And yeah, I love and that. He still continues to this day 
to get us through whatever we are going through. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I know that is kind of the three th- words that are a theme throughout the entire book are, you know, faith, family, and therapy. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I believe there's a time in your life where you may get down so far that you can't necessarily hear what God is trying to say to us. Mm-hmm. And I believe that he puts people in our path to be able to deliver those messages to us so that we can, you know, help ourselves mm-hmm. and learn and grow. And if he was just able to snap his fingers and say, I'm going to fix this for you, how are we ever going to learn? Right. You know, we right. have to learn these things for ourselves. Yeah. And you have to be able to, once you're through that, then you appreciate it even more because it, it was, it took a long time for it to come to you. And, it, and when everything works out, you're like, okay, well, you know, it was him. So that's incredible. Right. Yeah. And that's still my, you know, my theme to this day. That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Well, whenever you were writing this book, was there ever a time you kind of had to put it aside for a little bit because you had a lot going on in your personal life, your family life that you had to kind of set it aside and, and kind of pick it up later? Yes. There was a time where I, our family lost five close family members in one year. Wow. And it just kept coming and kept coming. And, you know, these were, you know, they were all older people in our lives. My grandmother, my grandfather, mm-hmm. my papa, um, and my uh, granny Hart on my other side of the family. Um, just, and then a, a two of my uncles who passed away that were, one was sick, but mm-hmm. one wasn't. I mean, it was unexpected. So... These are people that were around our family table on Thanksgiving and Christmas yeah. and, you know, holidays. Um, and it was really tough. And every time another, you know, person would be lost, I just would have to stop and say, okay, I, I need to grieve for a little bit. And then I'll pick the book back up when I can. Mm-hmm. And... My co-writer, Vicki McIntyre, just an amazing lady. Yeah. And she would say, you know, okay, um, you take the take whatever time you need and then you let me know. Mm-hmm. But knowing that I had her there waiting for me also helped me pick myself up a little bit faster. Yeah. You know, so that I could get back to work on the book and finish it with her. Yeah. Also, my sister was a big help. My mm-hmm. sister, Catherine Barnes. Um, she was a huge help to me during that time because she was also in my family mm-hmm. and she was suffering losses with me. And she would say, you know, I'd get back home and she'd say, okay, we got to get back on the book now. Yeah. You know, so those are two people in my life that I really credit for that help. Yeah. But I knew that we had a message to get out and I wanted to get it out. So yes. We got back on it and we finished good. it. That's yeah. amazing. I love that. Because I know a lot of people, they'll kind of get discouraged and they'll kind of put it aside and then they never really pick it back up. Or if they do, it's, you know, years down the road. And how many years in the making is this book? Okay. That was probably, if I have my timeline straight, probably five years. Okay. Um, I started it by myself about five years ago. And then about four years ago, I brought in... Miss Vicky, mm-hmm. I call it. That's my name for Miss Vicky, but Vic, my co-writer, yeah. Vicky McIntyre. Um, and then we finished it about two and a half years later, and then it took us about two and a half years to actually get it to print. Okay. Now, and it's like you don't realize that it takes that long, but you know, we had to do the cover art. Mm-hmm. They had to do 
you know, the photo, we had 20 minutes to shoot that. Really? Yes. We did that photo shoot in between two interviews that Demi had going on at her house. And she literally had 20 minutes. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. So the photographer, I've known her for years, Debbie Patton, fly girl photography. Uh Um, I called her up and I said, you've got to get this shot in 20 minutes. Can you do it? And she said, absolutely. That's awesome. So we got that in 20 (laughs) minutes. But, you know, these are all things that have to be done to get a book Mm -hmm. out, you know, to print and get it finished and done. So it was a lesson for me to learn that, you know, so much went into now I finished the book. Yeah. Now it's going to take me a year and a half to get it out to the public. But I say to anyone, if you are working on a book and you feel discouraged, please don't let that stop you from finishing because it is the most amazing feeling. Yeah. When you finish it and you do that book launch at Barnes and Noble and your friends and family are there and it's just the greatest feeling in the world. Yeah. So you can be discouraged and you can put it down for a little bit, but don't rob yourself of that. Absolutely. Because it's amazing. Definitely. That that was a great moment. I, I will say. You were say, there. Yes. And I am so happy that you were there. Thank you. And you actually... You know, you're probably the only person who's done an interview with me that you were there that night at Barnes & Noble. That's so awesome. And you met my publicist. Yes. And we had all these dates coming up for like three weeks. Yes. And I just want to say I think you're amazing. Thank because you. you were, um, you were persistent <laughs> and patient. Thank you. And I am very thankful for that because here we are today. Yes, that's right. It's <laughs> happening. I'm so excited. Definitely. I know. Me too. Well, I, I did want to talk about a little bit... Um, in the book, you talk about your first husband, Patrick, mm-hmm. and obviously that was a big theme in, in your guys' life for a while that luckily you were able to to get out of. Right. Um, in the beginning, though, what drew you to him? Because I know that you guys had a happy story in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, we did. And I don't think that anyone in a domestic abuse situation, if it didn't start out happy, you probably wouldn't be in it. Right. You know? Um Of course, like a lot of other people, you know, we started out on, you know, we had a happy life Mm -hmm. um, for a long time. But I think that he had issues that I I didn't know about when we first got, you know, when we first got married. Um, And I think he kept those issues in check for a long time. Then when they started to come out, that's when, you know, I tried to encourage him to get help. And he wasn't the one that wanted to get the help. I wanted him to get it. Yeah. Um, and therefore he just was never able to get the help that, you know, he needed to get. Definitely. But I mean, you know, we had just this amazing story in the beginning. And of course, if it wasn't for that story, I wouldn't have two of my amazing daughters that I have today, Dallas and Demi. So I'm very thankful that I was able to go through that and again, learn from it and be able to speak out about it now. But I mean, you know, he was, he had a good heart. Mm -hmm. He really did. And he was handsome and charming. And, you know, it was a situation that I was, I was very happy for a long time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as in most cases of domestic violence, you as a woman, you feel like, okay, they're going through something, but I can fix it. I can change it. And it unfortunately doesn't always 
work out that way. Definitely. And you talked about in the book how there was like an instance where you had lost part of your finger as mm -hmm. well from, from a fight that you guys had had. Why do you think at that time you didn't leave? Were you just not ready yet or did you still think you were going to be able to fix it? Still thought I could fix it. Mm -hmm. I really, I mean, I hid what happened from the police when they came to interview me because they clearly saw something had happened and they wanted to investigate. Yeah. And of course, and I hid it from my family. Um, I also think that's typical behavior of someone who's suffering domestic violence because until you are ready and you know, something a lot of the times just snaps mm -hmm. and you say, this is it. I'm done. I'm not going to live. I can't live this way anymore. Yeah. But until that moment happens, a lot of times we don't want our family to know because if you're able to fix it and if you're able to change that person for the better, then you don't want those secrets out. Right. Um, you know, I think most of the time it's, you know, something that ends up coming out anyway. Right. And that's unfortunate. But, you know, I'm very thankful to the people who helped me get out of that situation. Definitely. Um I, as you know from the book, I um, called the women's shelter. Mm. Every day I would call him and talk to him and try to find strength. Um, and they would reassure me that I was doing the right thing and that I needed to look out for my family's safety above everything else. And they still don't know to this day, unless they're reading my book now, yeah. they're probably seeing where I'm thanking them for you know, taking care of me through that really difficult time. Yeah, because you talk about how you thought that you were able to kind of take the brunt of it and that you would be able to protect the kids. But one time, you know, he threw something and it, and you, it almost hit the kids. And then that was kind of a moment where you were like, okay, this is no longer safe for my children anymore. We really yeah. need to get out of this situation. That was the defining moment mm -hmm. when I said, now it's affecting their lives and I can't keep them safe in this situation anymore. Yeah. And again, I think that happens a lot with, you know, women that may be suffering what I went through in that there comes a time where, I mean, it's almost like you can do whatever to me, but when it starts to affect my children, I got to step in yeah. and I got to make a change. And that's exactly what happened. I was shielding them from things that were being thrown in my direction and... That's when I thought, I can't have my kids live like this. Yeah. So, you know, when you really look at it, that was probably one of the times that they helped save my life. Yeah. You know, when you think about it. And not only that, but I love how positive of a shift comes once you meet your husband, Eddie. And it just seems <laughs> like you guys, it seems like he is just this really good guy that just is like a rock for your family. And he just seems like he's just so supportive of everyone and is just like, a huge lifeline for you all. He was, he literally came in and gave us a better life. Mm -hmm. And when I say it was a Prince Charming story, it was, it literally was, it was like a fairy tale. Yeah. You know, we were, we didn't have a lot of money, me and the two girls and, um, you know, we were getting by the best we could and we really had a happy home because we had gotten out of the situation that we were in mm -hmm. and we weren't dealing with all that stuff anymore. And 
he saw something in us that he wanted to be a part of. That's amazing. Because, I mean, you, you already had two children, and, and he, he could have yeah. easily been like, no, that's not really for me. And I think you talk about in the beginning he wasn't quite ready for that. But then he was, and you said that he threw a, um, a birthday party for Demi after yeah. something traumatic that had happened to her that day. And I think for you that probably was a light they went off in your head like, wow, like he really does care about my children and cares about our well-being. That was one of the first times that I really realized that that was the case. Mm-hmm. And, of course, over the years, he continued to prove that over and over. He, ne- he, even in the very beginning, he and as well as his entire family mm-hmm. never treated Dallas and Demi like they were not born into that family. Wow. They literally treated them like they had known them all their, you know, their entire lives. Yeah. And it was a testament to, you know, a person who is giving of themselves enough to want to give to children that may not, you know, have been born to them, but yet mm. they just take them like their, their own. And I'm not even sure I'm the kind of person yeah. to do that. I'm sure if, if I was put in that situation, I probably would be. Mm-hmm. But I know for a fact that he is one of those people that just is selfless. Yeah. You know, it takes a special person to take someone else's children and raise them like they are completely your own. But, you know, he kind of came in and gave us this life mm-hmm. that we had not had before and We've been stuck together ever since. That's good. I'm so happy for that because it really, it just is a very positive, loving thing. I can just tell that you both love each other very much, which is amazing. We are our best, we are best friends. We are soulmates. We are together forever. He's stuck with me. There's no getting rid of me. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) We'll be in the nursing home together. With your beds side to side. With our beds side to side, pulled together, holding hands. That's right. And we'll probably fight over the remote. Yeah. I'll have to give him his <laughs> chance. But, and you know, it doesn't sound like a bad idea to me. Yeah, so. I love that. I love yeah. that. Well, you also talk about in the book how you struggle with an, struggled with an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And I know that in the book you were telling us about how Dallas had came to you saying that she was concerned for Demi because of some of the sites that she had been logged in on regarding bulimia, anorexia. Yeah. Whenever you heard that, what was kind of going through your mind? Because I know that you said that you didn't quite pick up on the signs at that time. No, I I was in complete denial. I actually said to Dallas, oh, you must be mistaken. She must have accidentally gotten on that site. And keep in mind, this is also in the kind of the, not the beginning days of the internet, but we certainly understand a lot more about, I don't know, passwords Mm and um, things like that than we probably took the time to find out back then. You wouldn't know that. Um, But I... I passed it off because I didn't believe it. And I said to her, she must have gotten on it by mistake. Mm -hmm. And that was, you know, when I look back on the signs that I missed, it wasn't that I didn't, I didn't really want to see it. It's just, I was very naive Mm -hmm. and I'll be the first one to admit that. I wish I'd known sooner what was going on. I might've been able to do more, you know, do more about it. But, you know, that's why it's so important we as parents, when we see something and somebody or someone tells us something about one of our kids, we owe it to ourselves and to our kids to at least check it out, mm-hmm. at least find out what you can and have that open discussion with your kids. Because if you have that discussion and they're able to come forward and say, yes, I did that and I may need you know, I might need some help. You know, therapy is everything. Mm-hmm. 
I, I just, I have to, I never believed in therapy, really. Mm-hmm. I never really thought about it until our family's well-being depended on it. Yeah. And when I say therapy, of course, I'm including treatment, inpatient, outpatient, psychiatry, therapy. I'm including, you know, all of that when I say therapy. Mm-hmm. Whatever that problem and moment calls for in your family's life. Um I just, I believe in it so much. And that's why I'm hoping that people might read the book. And what if there are moms out there that were like me, mm-hmm. that they read the book and they say, you know what, I might need to check into some things with my kids. Yeah. Or or I might, you know, I might be leaning toward having an eating disorder and I didn't realize it. Maybe I should go and talk to someone mm-hmm. about this. And maybe you're able to, maybe they're able to pick up cues from the book. That's one of the main things that I want people to take away from the book. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that was our whole purpose for coming together as a family and writing the story is that it might help someone. Yeah. So. Absolutely. I love that. And I think that the book definitely has. I've just seen from like your Twitter, all your mentions and everything you reply to. It just seems like it's such a, a positive book for not only um, young men and women, but like their parents as well. I know I've sure. seen some where they're reading it together. And yeah, I have too. Yeah. I think I've retweeted some like that yeah. or replied or whatever. I see the most inspiring things on my Twitter right now. Mm-hmm. I just can't even tell you how excited I am that it's like, you're right. Like I see moms and daughters reading the book together mm. and it's just an incredible thing. I've even seen some dads reading the book, mm-hmm. which is just amazing to me, you know, because it definitely is a book about a family. It's not about one particular daughter or it's not just about me. It's like, it's the backstory of me, but it takes you through the entire family. Right. And, you know, if people are reading it together that I'm just so excited. Yeah. And it's, and they're reading it all over the world like that too. You know, so special. Yeah. It really, really is. I, there's no bigger compliment to me as an author Mm -hmm. for people to say, I'm reading this with my mom or I'm, you know, my dad got me this and he read it first. Mm -hmm. Now he's giving it to, you know, I mean, that's just an incredible thing because I feel like my goals are being reached by helping people. Absolutely. So I'm excited. Yeah. (laughs) And, and you talk about an instance where your daughter Dallas had came home and it was kind of like that breaking point where you knew that it was time to get her into treatment. You really didn't know what all had been going on until that night when she came home. Mm-hmm. Um, but seeing her extremely positive experience going through treatment, do you think it made it so much easier for you to know that that was the right path to send Demi on and for yourself going into treatment? Oh, absolutely. And that's the thing a lot of people don't realize. They, they only heard about Demi going to treatment. Mm -hmm. Most people don't know until they read the book that Dallas was the first one that went to treatment. And she had such a positive experience, and I talk about that. Yeah. She she begged to stay longer. And, of course, at that time, I didn't really have a lot of money, and so I took everything I had, you know, from what we had in savings or what we could afford, and I gave her another two weeks. Mm -hmm. And I said, this is all I can do right now because I'm paying cash. You know, it's like, I didn't know that. I had never looked at my insurance policy to see if we had mental health coverage. Mm -hmm. 
until I needed it. And that is one thing I would love to make a point to everyone. Please go look at your insurance policy before you need it. Mm-hmm. Know what's there. And if you want to add some coverage or you know make a change or whatever, because when it comes to a point where it's too late, I mean, where you need to know if you have it, mm-hmm. it's too late. You know, you, you need to help a, a, a son or a daughter or a family member help them get into treatment. It's really important that people know what's in their insurance policy. Yeah. For if anything ever happens, if you had told me three years before Dallas went into treatment that one day you might need mental health coverage, I would have thought you were crazy. Yeah. We'd never even gone into any therapy ever. So... I'm just saying, you know, people, please check. Yeah. And know what you have and what you have access to just in case you ever need it, especially parents with young people. You know, they need to know. Um, But she asked to stay longer, and I allowed her to stay as long as I could, and she came out just a completely different person, and it really made a life change for her. Um, So that was when Demi needed to go to treatment, I knew what questions to ask when someone referred me to a place, Mm -hmm. um, Timberline Knowles, where I went and where she went. When they referred the place to me, I knew what questions to ask. Do you do dual diagnosis? Mm -hmm. Which means if there is an addiction problem, there most likely is an underlying reason for the addiction. Mm -hmm. So... Dual diagnosis is not to get into technical terms. I'm not, you know, if they're, I'm not a professional. Yeah. Um, but what it means is they, they, in layman's terms, they want to get to the root of why the person has the addiction or the eating disorder or whatever. And had I not gone through that with Dallas, I wouldn't have known to ask, you know, when Demi needed help. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, you know, when I went to treatment, it was just like one after the other yeah. for about a year. <laughs> yeah. But it was the best thing that could have ever happened to our family. Yeah. It really was because we all were made to understand that there's no shame in asking for help. Yeah. There's no embarrassment that should ever be associated with going into treatment or an outpatient or doing whatever you need to do, you know, to get the help that you need um, and how much therapy could help our lives, you know. And also the faith theme was something that I took into treatment with me Mm -hmm. because, you know, they openly talk about God and, you know, your higher power, whatever that may be. Yeah. And of course mine was you know, my faith and God. And um, so it was comforting to me to be able to do that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. And and we talk about in the book how you realized that your daughter, Demi Mad, might have not been hanging out with some of the, the right people. And you kind of saw her kind of go down a path that you were scared of. And when you talk about a girl named Jane Doe, which we can all kind of assume who you might be talking about here. But if you could say something to that girl who was kind of leading her off to the wrong path, if you could say something to her today, what would you say and did you ever forgive her? First of all, let me say it's probably not anybody that anybody knows. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, 
it was a person that was in our life at the time, but I, I don't think anyone would really, I don't think anybody would be able to guess. Okay. Um, I did protect her identity because I don't, I didn't write this book to throw anyone right. under the bus at all. And, you know, they were also, let me just say, they were young. Everybody was young at that time. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that that person, I, you know, I I've, haven't talked to her since all that happened. Mm-hmm. Probably if I did today, I could probably, you know, I could say to her, we'd probably be able to have a conversation because mm-hmm. that was so long ago. Um, and of course, you know, I don't harbor any bad feelings toward that person mm-hmm. at all. I really don't. Just because I know when kids are young, sometimes they make mistakes. I get that. I did too when I was young like that. I made a lot of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think that she came from a place of malice at all. I I think they were just young kids caught up in something out here that they'd never been exposed to before. Mm-hmm. And you yourself, you say how you come from another, you came from Missouri. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. As you probably know, when you first came out here, it's like a culture shock. Mm -hmm. It can be very um, overwhelming to people at times. And I've seen kids who have come out here um, who've had a job to go to before they got here, and they've been able to make that work and, you know, start a a life for themselves here and do really well. But I've also seen kids who have come out here that have said, I'll get a job when I get there. Mm-hmm. And it's not as easy as it sounds. It's no. really not. So for some of those kids, sometimes they may get involved in some things that later on they'll look back and go, well, I shouldn't have done that, you know? Right. And I really honestly think that that is probably what happened with this situation. Mm-hmm. But I have no ill feelings toward her at all. Yeah. I love that. I feel like a, you're such a forgiving, loving person, which I love. Because I think that is a big part of recovery. In addition to treatment and everything else, you have to be able to forgive yourself. You have to be able to forgive others. And once you do that, then I feel like you're really able to move forward in your life and have that great life that you always wanted. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a whole, it's it's encompassing, you know, therapy, getting help, your faith. I think it's, and just being, you know, good to people and wanting to, like, now go back and share and help people. If I held ill will toward people who have hurt me in my life, then I'd, I think that would hold me back mm-hmm. from ever being able to help someone else with my experience. So, yeah, I think it's a combination of things, you know, and I think it's just that I'm just a happy person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, there was a time in my life where I wasn't. Because I was fully participating in, you know, addictions and eating disorders and, you know, all the things that were going wrong in my life. Mm-hmm. Now that I've been able to work those things out through getting help and treatment and therapy, I, I it's just made me so much a, more of a positive person yeah. so that I can now turn around and share it with others. You know, if you're holding all that in and not forgiving, that's going to hold you back. You won't ever get to be able to help anyone like that, you know? Yeah. So thank you for saying yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Part of your story that I honestly had no idea about was that you did suffer with suicidal thoughts. 
Yeah. You talk about how you were driving and you were just like, just drive into this oncoming car, just give up, just, you know, end it all type of a thing. Um, what do you think really stopped you from acting on those things? Well, I, to be honest, I, I think God was a big factor in that because he knew I had a bigger purpose and he mm-hmm. wasn't going to let me actually do that. But I didn't know that I wasn't going to go through with it and I couldn't take that chance. Right. You know, and so I think that God initially kept, kept me safe throughout that entire time, but also going and working on, you know, those issues in treatment and really like trying to get to the root of why am I depressed right now? Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there was medication involved too as well. I have nothing against, you know, people taking medication when they, when it's prescribed by, you know, a professional. Um, I think it has, its certainly has its place. Mm-hmm. It did for me too. I'm happy to say I'm not on anything now yeah. because I find my happiness in other ways. I've been given tools to be able to work through depression now. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a really good thing. But not, I, I know that not everybody can do that and yeah. that's, that's okay. Um, but I think when I heard myself say it out loud, my family basically did an intervention with me. Yeah. <clears throat> my kids came to me and said, you got to get help, mom. This has gone on too long and you're too far gone. And they didn't know I had suicidal thoughts. Yeah. Um, they finally talked me into that and I finally agreed to go. Cause at first I was like, Oh no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm yeah. fine. And they really made it a point to tell me how much they loved me and that they knew that I was struggling and it was okay and that they would help me through it. Everybody would be okay. And they put me on the phone to the intake counselor for Mm -hmm. the treatment center. And the intake counselor started asking me questions and have you had suicidal thoughts? And I never really vocally said, yes, I'm having suicidal thoughts. But I started talking to her Mm -hmm. and telling her my story and just hearing it in my ears, like hearing it out loud and then looking at the faces of my kids and realizing they must be horrified that the person in their life that is supposed to be the strongest has been thinking this way. Mm -hmm. And that just solidified everything for me right there. I knew at that point I had to get help. Yeah. Just verbalizing that and saying it out loud. And I think a lot of people would be surprised that they might be affected the same way. Yeah. If they were ever, you know, if they're talking to a therapist or talking to somebody and getting help, there's something about saying it out loud. So. And a lot of people don't know that you, if I'm correct, you went to the same treatment facility that Demi went to. Yes. Yeah. So whenever you got there, I know that you said that you really didn't. Which I forgot what you said. You said that you didn't think that they were going to touch on one thing. I don't know if it was like you didn't think they the were going to go to your yes, yeah. And so whenever you had to give over like the bottle of, of Xanax, Xanax, yeah, what was going through your mind? Were you like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to be here anymore. Like I didn't want to visit that part of my. Well, no, I mean I didn't really panic because they told me, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, we're gonna, you know, they were taking my personal belongings mm-hmm. and they said. Oh, and we'll take that, you know, as my bottle of Xanax, which had become my crutch for a very long time. Yeah. And they said, we'll t- 
take that. And I was like, oh, no, 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 I need that. Like, I need this to stay with me. Mm-hmm. And they said, you know what? I mean, they were so good. They said, you know what we'll do? We're going to give you this as you need it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's the rule. We have to take it for now. But they didn't say, we're going to take this away and you're never going to see it again. Yeah. Had they said that, I probably would have panicked. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. They they knew what to say to me to comfort me in that moment. And they said, you know what? We're going to give this to you as you need it. Mm-hmm. Well, what people should realize about before ever starting to take anything like Xanax, um, Xanax, and again, I'm not a professional, so I'm not going to go into, you know, which ones do this and which ones don't. Yeah. But Xanax is definitely one of those prescriptions that if you take your, if you just stop doing it, and if you're not weaned off it medically by a doctor, Mm -hmm. um, it can ca- it can be a serious risk. Mm-hmm. You can have a stroke. You can, I mean, all kinds of things can happen. So Xanax is one of those things that they couldn't just take it away from me and not, not, not ever give it to me. What they did was they were able to take the level down while they brought the level up of something else. Yeah. So it wasn't like I never saw another Xanax. Yeah. But I didn't realize at that time that I was actually giving up control of something that I had been addicted to for a long time because I didn't see it as a problem. Mm -hmm. But they knew what they were doing. I thank God every day when I wake up that I'm not that person anymore. Yeah. Um, That I don't have to rely on that. And it's it's a feeling of freedom. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't have to depend on that. And it feels really good. I bet. Yeah, so. Yeah, during, I mean, during all of this time, your youngest daughter, Madison, she, I, I would assume maybe not fully understand some of the things that were going on, but now that she's gotten older, has she had like a conversation with you where you were able to kind of talk to her and, and what does she have to say about everything that happened? Oh, we've had a lot of conversations. I, one thing I can say about Madison is because of everything we went through as a family, Madison and I talk a lot. Mm-hmm. She's very intelligent, very smart. Um, we talk a lot, even to this day, about some of the things that have happened in the past. And we're not afraid to talk about it because, unfortunately, with my first two kids, I didn't understand. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand how important it was to have those conversations. Madison and I talk a lot. Um, and Madison has been in therapy for three years now, mm. I think. Two and a half, three? Um She's in therapy regularly because now with her, I understand the importance of her having a a mental health professional to talk to. And I don't have to know what she talks about. Mm -hmm. I don't ask because I know I have confidence that if her therapist needs to tell me something, that she will. Yeah. But at the same time... I want Madison to have that freedom to speak freely. And we if we get in an argument, mm-hmm. first thing I do, I mean, like, and we don't ever argue. I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. Probably because she's just such a really well-adjusted kid because of what we've been through mm-hmm. and the help she's received. But if we get in a, an argument and if it gets bad, I will pick up that phone and I will call our therapist mm-hmm. and I will say, 
do you have something open this afternoon because we need you? Yeah. And she'll either say yes or no, and most of the time it's yes, I'll make time for you. And we will get in the car, and we will go over there, and we will hash out our problem with the help, mm-hmm. the you know, with a professional, because I cannot tell you what a difference that makes. We have yet to come out of that a session with our therapist and not have resolved things. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's finding, it's also about finding a mental health care professional that you can afford. Yeah. And there are affordable, good people out there. I have, you know, we have found someone um, that really does help us and it's within my budget. You know, a lot of people take insurance if your insurance pays for it. There are also community programs that you can actually research online mm-hmm. and find out where in your community that you can go and get help according to your um, your income. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have any income, they work with that too. So there's mental health help for everyone. It's just, I know it's really hard to find sometimes. Right. And that's like one of these days I'd really like to be a part of a committee or something mm-hmm. that could help fig- help people figure out or maybe write a second book about trying to help people figure out where can you get help when you can't afford it. Right. A lot of people don't even know where to look because they think it's this thing that usually has a lot of stigma around it. Luckily, nowadays, we see that that is... It's the, starting yeah. to change. Exactly. Yeah. But a lot of people are overwhelmed. They feel maybe embarrassed to reach out. They don't know how to. They feel like, oh, it's going to be too expensive. So that's not something that I can even experience. Yes. And it's not true. Yeah. I mean, yes, there are expensive people out there. It's just like everything else. Mm-hmm. But I talked to, um, you know, Ann Bloom is our therapist, mm-hmm. um, an amazing lady. And I, I talked to her about what are people's options. And she's the one that let me know there are community programs. And they may not be in every community, but there's one probably within, you know, driving distance of, you know, almost everyone, um, the problem is that people don't, it's very overwhelming to mm-hmm. find. Yeah, It's overwhelming. It sounds easy. Go research it on the internet, mm-hmm. right? That sounds... But that's overwhelming. It can be yeah. so overwhelming. And part of what I would like to do in the future at some point is work on a way that we can all come together and make it a lot easier for people to find the help Mm -hmm. because I do think a lot of people don't get help because it's too hard or they think it's too expensive Mm -hmm. when in reality there are a lot of good therapists out there that literally will go and do it just to help people because they understand how important it is. So that's like a future project that I would really like to work on. That's incredible. Yeah. I love that you're so passionate about that. And I think I think that it would be amazing if you wrote a second book just to kind of give people on the right track on how to how to even start, where to even go for that, which I love. Yeah, I mean, because not everybody can especially look at it this way. When people are, are in a state like I was, mm-hmm. I was sleeping a lot and taking Xanax a lot and I was depressed and I was not eating and I was in bed a lot. And ultimately, that was what led my kids to come to me and say, this is not you. We mm-hmm. need to get you help. Um, but when you get down that far, the, the last thing you feel like doing is trying to research something on the Internet to find out, you know, 
How do I get help? Mm -hmm. So a lot of people don't get help because of that. So I just think it's really important that we come together, you know, as a society and try to help figure out a better way to do this. Absolutely. Because the problem is still there. People are not getting help. Mm -hmm. Um, Lucky for me, I had a lot of people around me, but not everybody, you know, that helped me Mm -hmm. do that, but not everybody has that. Absolutely. So, you know. I want to make a change in the future at some point, somehow. I love that, yeah. yeah. That is super encouraging. I love that, that you stand for that. Um, I, something interesting on another note, I never really knew how involved you and your family were with Selena's family. I knew that, that her and Demi <laughs> were friends, but you guys really helped each other out a lot. I mean, you would take Selena with you to the auditions. Yeah. Mandy was able to help you guys you know, with a place to stay and yes. everything. Um, obviously you guys' lives have kind of gone on different paths, but like, what is your relationship with like them like now? We will always all be best friends. Mm -hmm. Yes. Our lives get busy sometimes. And we're the kind of friends that we can go for a long time Mm -hmm. without actually talking on the phone. We might text or, you know, but we also respect the fact that I'm so busy right now. Mandy is so busy right now yeah. and we come together when we can and have fun and have a good time. But I think because of the things that we shared when the girls were so young that it's, you know, one of the, it's a bond that will, no one will ever be able to break, Yeah, you know, because it's just so deep rooted in our past and our home and, you know, the good times. And Selena would come over to our house and do um, homeschooling with Dallas and Demi and actually Madison, she started out homeschooling very young, but, you know, she was like two, but, you know, we'd give her, she wanted to be like the big girls. Yeah. And <laughs> so she would sit at the table and we would write, you know, That's things amazing. for her to learn. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the, the girls played together for hours mm-hmm. and... You said they were they were in, like, they ran off in Madison's little, like automatic little car because they're chasing away from the paparazzi. Okay, that is one of the stories that (laughs) no one has mentioned. I love that story. Since the book came out, no one has mentioned that, I don't think, except for you. So I'm very glad you brought that up. She got a red Barbie Corvette, Madison did, for her Christmas gift. And she wanted a Barbie Corvette. So... We got it for her, and the girls, of course, the girls were still small, you know, and they would hijack that car (laughs) and pretend like they were, you know, of course, only one one girl, it would only seat one girl at a time, of course, because it was just so small, (laughs) but they would, you know, they would pretend that they were running from the paparazzi, and little did we know. Oh, my goodness. That actually, I mean, all those years ago, and then fast forward and there were times where paparazzi did follow us mm-hmm. trying to find out where Demi was. Because, of course, she was in treatment. Yeah. And that was the only time that I feel like that we ever really had to deal with that. And, of course, I know they're just doing their job. Yeah. But it's, fun, you know, it was a situation where I, at that time in our lives, I looked back and went, I had no idea that... When those girls were playing with the red Barbie Corvette, Mm -hmm. that one day this would actually, you know, it was maybe a foreshadowing to Mm -hmm. something that was going to happen in the future. I don't know. but It was an omen or something. An (laughs) omen, yeah. I mean, and it it wasn't a bad thing. It was just, wow, 
I had no idea that it was going to end up like this. And especially Selena and Demi both ending up, you know, they were, you read the story of them yeah. standing in line. There were 1,400 kids that day mm-hmm. in that line to audition for Barney. And they were standing right next, right to, next each to each other. other. Yeah, And those were the two probably from, probably the only two from that day, not mm-hmm. from other um, auditions, but... You know, just from that day, they were the two that ended up coming out here, and we all came out here kind of at the same time. We yeah. were we were after Selena, but it was a new thing for all of us kind of at that time in our, our lives. And, you know, someone asked me one time, if you could go back and do another slumber party. We had slumber parties every night. Yeah. You know, nobody could go to sleep. We were in a loft apartment mm-hmm. in downtown L.A., and Selena was on... Wizards of Waverly Place, Mm -hmm. and we were there for pilot season and still auditioning. And it was just, you know, Madison learned to read from from, uh, Selena's scripts from Wizards of Waverly Place. Really? She would bring her script home every week, Mm -hmm. and Madison and I would read through the script, and that is basically when she first started reading. Yeah. Um. And so it was just such a magical time, and we'd say, okay, time to go to sleep. Everybody go to sleep. we got to get up tomorrow. Selena's got to film. And we'd go, okay. And then we'd sit there, and somebody would start giggling, yeah. or somebody would start <laughs> laughing, and it would start all over again. And we were like, y'all go to sleep. Just some of the most magical times in our lives. Yeah. And it's a time that I'll never forget. So we will always be best friends. I love that because I feel like a lot of people really try to pit women against each other and all the things in the tabloids that you'll read about the two. But I've always thought that, you know, as they may have very busy lives and, you know, it takes them on different directions, I do feel like you guys will always have that that bond with each other. And I, yeah. I did think it's incredible that Selena is such an advocate for health in general now and the fact that she she had a scare herself and the fact that she was able to come out on the other side and that she's you know, right. recovering and trying to be healthy and everything. And I just think that's amazing for her. And I think that, you know, it was a scary time for them, I'm sure. Right, I'm sure. I mean, yes, it was. Mm-hmm. And I'm just so thankful that, you know, her best friend was able to help her out. And now she's, you know, in a much better, you know, she's much healthier. Um, I don't know what our lives would be like if anything had happened to her. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't want to ever find that out. So I'm just really grateful. And I'm thankful that, you know, she's doing so much better. Um, I think, you know, these kids, they they go through their struggles. And, yes, like you said, sometimes people try to pit people against each other, which, mm-hmm. you know, I wish they wouldn't do. Um, but at the end of the day, when you have a true friendship like that, I think it is always going to be that way. I don't know. You know, when you're, you are truly friends, you can even get mad at each other. Mm-hmm. You can have your differences and disagreements. But at the end of the day, you're always going to be friends when it's true friendship. Absolutely. And I feel the same way about your family and Wilm or Valderrama as well. I oh, think yeah. that no matter what, you guys will always be tied together. We always way. will be. Yeah. And I think it was funny because originally whenever you would go visit her for, <laughs> you know, visiting for tre- at her treatment facility, he would be yeah. there. And I know as a mother, you must have been like, what is this guy doing here? Like, she, he's cutting into my family time. That's exactly what I said. Yeah. You, you read the book. Yes. <laughs> because I was like, I, you know, I want this time with my daughter. And yeah. I've got to share it with you. And, you know, at one time I was like, you know, I, I, I like you, but I'm not sure I want you to be together kind mm-hmm. of thing. You know, 
course, you can't not like him. I know. He's so likable. He's so <laughs> likable and just a lovely human being. But, you know, it's funny that after everything was said and done and he had been with her for so long. Mm-hmm. And I just had a realization one day that I wanted to go and get to know him better because I thought he would, I thought they were going to get married mm-hmm. and, and we had all hung out, but I hadn't really made that effort, Yeah, you know? And once I made that effort, I, I really came to truly love him as a person and as a person that I really wanted to be in our family mm-hmm. And, you know, he was just so gracious and caring, and he still to this day, I believe, loves her. Absolutely. And she loves him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but people have to, you know, they have to go about their path in life and learn what it is they want. And I think Demi came to a point where she wanted to make some decisions in her life. Um, and... When that happened, it just really broke us all. I mean, we we were just so upset, yeah. you know. But also, I had to respect Demi's choice as a mother. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it was her life, and I had to let her decide things for herself. But I'm just really happy that, you know, we just we really were hurt at the time. We were hurting. Right. I mean. Um, because we missed him. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thankful that even after everything, we still see him occasionally. Yeah. And he's very busy. He's doing yeah. really good in his career mm-hmm. right now. So we don't we don't see him that often. But when we do, it's just like nothing ever changed. Yeah. You know? He's just that kind of person. I love that. Yeah. He really does seem like a great guy. And I love just it seems like no matter what will happen in the future, they'll always be great friends, and they, they've supported each other so much throughout the years, which is yeah, incredible. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that will never change. Absolutely. And before we go, I did want to talk about um, your book signing that, that everyone went to at the Barnes & Noble. I <gasps> thought that was so special, just how your entire family showed up. Demi even showed up, which you had no idea I she had was no even clue. in California. <laughs> no, I did because she wasn't even supposed to be here. Yeah. She was on tour. Mm-hmm. And so she flew back so that she could go to the book signing, she said, you know, she told me later, she said, I wouldn't have missed that. That was like such an important event for you. And it really was because mm-hmm. I wanted to do this all my life. Um, but yeah, it was incredible to see her get to be. But the most incredible thing was we never as a family seemed to be able to be in the same place. Yeah. Like even if you'll notice on the cover of the book, mm-hmm. there's the four of us, but Eddie's not there. Right. So Rarely do we ever even get a snap to, yeah. a snapshot of all of us being in the same room. And we actually, that was the biggest bonus for me that yes. night is we all I, got a picture. I think we have the photo of the family photo here. Oh, we probably I did. That's it. it. Yes. It was such a great photo. And the fact that you guys were all together and that they all came out to support you. And I love the Eddies in the photo. It just, that's, that you should frame and put in your house somewhere. I need to do that. <laughs> I'm going to have to do that because it says Barnes & Noble up there. Yes. And also we have Chloe, the newest member Aww. of our family. Little Chloe. So cute. Dallas's dog. Um, and look how happy everybody is. Yes. Like you can see true happiness in everybody's eyes. Nobody's, nobody's faking it. No. 
It was just, everybody was just so amazingly happy that night. Yeah. And look, I've done a lot of book signings since then mm-hmm. in different cities, and they've all been amazing. Just incredible, and I've really enjoyed meeting everybody. Yeah. But that one was special, and you got to be at that one, of course. Yes. That one was the most special, I think, because the whole family was there. Definitely. And so you got to be at, you know, I, w- I don't want to say the best one, but... A special, like a, an The extra special, special one, yeah. yeah, the extra special one, because yeah. all of them have been good. And I love how a lot of signings, you know, it's it's busy, you kind of just have to say hi and bye. You took so much time with each person, and you got to talk to them and kind of just really get to know people one-on-one. And I know that that meant the world to everyone there. I talked to some of the people. Um, one of my friends, mm-hmm. Katie, she actually had you write out a tattoo for her, which she got, and I think it says beautiful. Really? Yeah, what? it's this tattoo here. <gasps> wait a minute, that's Katie. Yeah. Okay, wait, I forgot that I did that. Yeah. And then I saw something on Twitter. Yeah. That some I saw that picture, and I didn't realize, you're right, that was your friend, Katie. Yeah, yeah, so she she loves it so much, and you've inspired her so much. Oh. And I just, I, I loved being there for that moment, because you really did take the time with everyone, and you really did get to know people, and I think that you honestly made a huge impact on everyone there that night that everyone will, will remember forever, mm-hmm. for sure. I'm... I'm it makes me really happy to hear you say that because, and you know, I know some people get tired of waiting in the line. Yeah. But when you come to one of my book signings, I can assure you, if you if you be patient, I will be spending the same amount of time with you mm-hmm. that I'm spending with everybody because that's what to me that's what book signings are for. Yeah. Is to actually have a conversation face to face, even if it's a short one, and usually people that come to the book signing, they always have something, or almost always have something ahead of time, you know, prepared that they want to make sure that you know yeah. as as the person who wrote the book that they're buying. They want you to know how it touched their life mm-hmm. or in, you know, in some way or, you know, how excited they are to, to be there, whatever the case may be. So I, that's why I try to do that. I try mm-hmm. to always, you know, take just a moment with each person, but it makes it, that's what makes it so much fun. Yeah. I have met some of the most amazing people at these book signings and I'm not stopping. That's good. I don't have one scheduled right now, but Mm -hmm. I have a few in this area coming up for closer to Mother's Day, which isn't very far away. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. I'll have to let you know. Please do. Watch my Twitter. Yes, for sure. At Diana Delagarza. Yes. And in the end here, I did want to say, you've talked about this before, but what you want families to take away from this book? Uh, the main thing is that it's okay to reach out for help. Mm-hmm. Because like you said a few minutes ago, a lot of people don't reach out because they're embarrassed or mm-hmm. they are afraid of being ostracized or they don't think they have the money to do it. The most important thing that I want people to know is that there is always a way. Mm-hmm. There is there are people out there that will help you. It may be hard to find, um, but there's always hope, and there is always help. Absolutely. For whatever you need for your family. Absolutely, and we need to get mental health care in the hands of those who need it and make it yeah. easier and more affordable, and you are an advocate for that, and I am yes. too, and I will be here with you to help you on that journey. Let's do it. Yes. Let's do it together. Yes. I know where you are. That's right. When something comes up, I'll come back and come on the show again, and we'll 
get it out there to Absolutely. the people watching. Thank you so much. Thank and where, where can everyone find you again on social media? Um, at Diana De La Garza on Twitter. Um, I don't do that much on my Facebook, mm -hmm. um, but it's Diana De La Garza. Uh, there's a lot of Diana De La Garza's out there, so I don't yeah. know which one is me. But, um, and yeah, Instagram, uh, Diana De La Garza. Awesome. All so, right. Yeah. Well, thank you again so much for coming in. This has been my favorite interview ever. Oh, my yes. God. Thank you. So thank I, you. I'm so happy you had me. Thank you, of Dakota. Course. Thank you so much. And thank you guys for watching. We love you all so much. And um, keep the conversation going. Let us know how you like this interview in the comments below. Follow Diana and her journey. And we love you so much. Have a great day, guys. Bye. Network.